right. Trinity Church, how you doing? So good to see you today. The hoots and hollers and everything else. Welcome to 2020. Welcome to Trinity Church, this brand new year, this first Sunday of the year. We're so grateful that you're here and you made this a part of your weekend plan. If you're new today, realize this is a very different day for us. Uh, People who are uh, used to being at Trinity, you're looking at your Trinity this week, there's no message notes, there's no three points. You're like, what is going on? Who stole our pastor and put this other guy up there? So this is kind of a unique day today that we are real excited. So whether you've been at Trinity for decades or whether this is your first time, it is a great day to be here because we're sharing what God has put on the heart of the leadership of Trinity Church for our vision moving forward into this new year. So we are really glad that you're here today. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians is in the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And make your way there to chapter 2. We'll be there in just a minute. Uh, Otherwise, a couple of things uh, that are going on. If you look in your Trinity this week, you'll be reminded that we are having a retirement celebration for Larry and Karen Shoemaker coming up later this month on the 25th of January. In that blurb in there, for some of you who would like to say, hey, I would love to just communicate to Larry and Karen how much I appreciate them, how much they have meant in my life, there is a way to be able to send an email. We're going to collect all of those, put them in a book and give them to them at that event. So the 25th is the day. It's a Saturday, three to five, but you'll know you need to send that email and you'll note the email address to send it to. Send that email in advance so we can get those kind of organized, get them so they all look the same as far as the, the font and everything. And we'll put those into a book and present it on that day. So join us Uh, on the 25th, but make sure you send that if you want to just let them know how much you appreciate them. Well, like we said, today is this brand new year. Uh, This year is a very unique and special year for Trinity Church. It marks our 40th anniversary. That's something to be excited about. That's pretty cool. So... um, 1980 in a living room in Highland, California is when Trinity Church began. And when you just stop and pause and think about kind of what God has done over that period of time. I've been here a relatively short amount of time, three and a half years, and just even over that time. But man, if you start going back over the decades and you look at the way that God has been at work among his people, it's an exciting thing. And so we're excited today to not only look backwards, but to now look forwards as well. And thanking God for what he's done and looking forward with great anticipation and enthusiasm of what he's leading us towards. So today what I want to do is I want to share with you a collective vision. And that's what I mean by that. Uh, It's not something I just dreamed up in my office. It's actually what I'm going to share with you today is Vision 2020 6.0. That's how many revisions it has gone through. It first began with our directional team. And I realize, even as I say that phrase, for some of us, we're like, I don't even know what that is. Back in, we've been working on this idea for a long time, but in August, we officially created a new strata of leadership at Trinity that includes these pastors and our business administrator, Scott Clayton, Steve Springstead, Bill Bourne, Hilke, and um, Jim Willard. And that group of five, basically, our elder board had talked to me in my first year here, Todd, you have way too many direct reports. We need to change that structure. And so we finally have, and those five directly report to me and the rest of the staff 
reports to them. And so we've got a new layer. And this group of men have just been so helpful to me. We've been meeting together as a group for these last five months. And just been very, not only encouraging, but very helpful, disseminating ideas. So we began with this vision with them, working that out. We shared it with our the rest of our uh, staff team, pastors and directors, as well as with our elders. And what I bring to you today is really a collective vision from that entire group. All that group not only has heard this, but actually has responded affirmatively saying, I'm stacking my hand on that. That's something that I believe that God wants for Trinity Church. So I bring this collective vision to you today. I also, a key word that you're going to hear throughout it today is the word partnership. The word partnership. So have that on your mind as we uh, dive in today. But I'm excited to be able to share this. You'll note in your notes, in your Trinity this week, is small group notes. So our hope is that a lot of your small groups took a break over Christmas, your home groups, and they'll be getting back this week. There is some good discussion prompts on the back side of that sheet as you get started into a a new um, season together. But what I want to share with you today is this idea of a partnership that begins with Trinity Church continuing to be a people where Jesus is obvious and demonstrative, where we are a group of people who continue to make much of him because he is so worthy of being made much of. And as we walk this through today, and as I begin to share with you, it's that partnership of saying, how can we, as a church leadership team, be a great partner to you as you engage Jesus's directive to go and make disciples of the nations, beginning with the people that are in your relational world? So this is where it started for me. A few weeks ago, I had this random thought just go across my mind, and this is the question that was in my brain. What if Jesus physically came and visited one of the churches here in our area? Well, I would expect you to drop everything and join me there next Sunday, okay? Because that's, that's where you would want to be, and I would want to be there too, And I would want to be there like you would want to be for two big reasons. Number one, because it would be so fantastic. And I use that word in the the strict form of the definition. It would be supernatural. It would just be this wild moment to be able to be near your Lord and Savior. The things that we dream of related to thinking of that only happens in heaven. But the other reason that you would be drawn to want to be where Jesus is, is because of the same reason that we read all about in the Gospels is that whenever people came in proximity with Jesus, they readily recognized how much he loved them. Now, that wasn't just true of Jesus' disciples and true of his followers. It was some people who'd never met Jesus before, but when they came close, when they were near him, they recognized so quickly, this man loves me right where I am. Now, even Jesus' enemies never accused him of treating them poorly. They made up a lot of accusations about a lot of wrong things, but that was never one of the things they said as he even treated them with kindness and with a love that they had never known before. So that reason you would want to be near Jesus. And so I was thinking about it and putting this uh, vision together for you today. This simple question, do you know what Trinity Church needs? Simple answer, we need Jesus. We need Jesus to be obvious and demonstrative among us. We need his love that he demonstrated towards his father and towards other people, our brothers and sisters. We need his compassion for people in our community who are broken and need help. 
We need his reliance upon the Father for every ounce of strength, for every step of the way directionally. We need his spirit, his promised Holy Spirit that he's given us to continue to help us become the people that he desires for us to be that we read about in his word. We need his invitation to a group of people that we have the privilege of introducing to his love, his forgiveness, and his redemption. So in short, this is what we need. We need simply Jesus to be among us. And when we are walking with him, when we are living him out, he is. He's present here among us. This is the community of Jesus followers I read in scripture that I know Jesus wants us to become and continue to be. And when we live like this, indeed, Jesus shows up. He's directed us to be this all over the New Testament, and that's who we need to be for each other, but who we also need to be for the people in your relational world that you invite into this community. They need to see Jesus. So what I want to do with you today is I want to share a microvision for Trinity Church of where we're going through the lens, through the eyes and the life of one person, someone named Ryan. And as I do, I want you to consider the people in your relational worlds, your Ryans, and what this looks like for them. Take a minute, do this with me. Close your eyes. I promise no one's gonna come poke you. Close your eyes and listen to this. Ryan is 36 years old. And he has a five-year-old son from a previous relationship and a two-year-old daughter with his wife, who he married a year ago. He works at a local tech firm and enjoys mixed martial arts. He's lived in the area for many years and knows lots of people. Those from his past can remember Ryan in his wild days, days that he believes he's matured from, but at times still secretly engages. He loves his children, but is concerned that his five-year-old son is spending too much time on his iPhone playing games. This is Ryan. Ryan is invited to an entry point event, a rock climbing day at Joshua Tree by his friend, a Trinity attendee. Near the end of the event, there is an invitation to attend a weekend worship service at Trinity Church. Ryan's friend offers to go with him to the weekend service, and Ryan wants to come and see, even though he's really not sure why he wants to go. Do you see Jesus smiling as he has been working on Ryan in response to Ryan's friend's prayers? Ryan attends the weekend service, and at the end of the service, there's an invitation to go to the Start Here booth. At the Start Here booth, he meets a middle-aged man who gently and firmly shakes his hand and conveys with his eyes and words interest, grace, and gentleness. Ryan feels comfortable giving his contact information and is even more at ease when he receives a voucher for a free drink at the Trinity Coffee House. He receives information about Trinity and an invitation to attend the Discover Trinity event, which is held the following week. Ryan's friend makes a quick offer to join Ryan and his family at the Discover Trinity event. The following week, Ryan comes to Trinity just a bit before the second service and meets up with his friend at the designated gathering spot. Ryan notices several other people have come for the tour, but he can't figure out who is also new as all the small gatherings are engaged in mutual, friendly conversation. After a few moments, the tour leaders identify themselves, and after introductions, the Discover event begins. With his children being provided childcare, Ryan and his wife begin walking around the Trinity campus and are quietly impressed with the food provided at the various stops 
but are finding themselves both impressed and interested in the children's ministries. Ryan is surprised by the light and power ministry and wishes his cousin with autism had such a place to go. Near the end of the tour, Ryan and his wife are invited to sign up for the Rooted class, which is to start the following month. He says he can't as he'll be out of town for several weeks on business. A week later, he receives a call from a nice person from Trinity who is following up and gently mentioning Rooted. A few days later, his friend texts him with a message of encouragement and mentions Rooted. Usually, Ryan would be bothered by such calls and texts, but for some reason, he finds himself interested. Again, can you see Jesus smiling? A few weeks later, Ryan and his wife attend the first session of Rooted along with his friend. Over the next 10 weeks, Ryan's thoughts and interest about all things God are changing. He was especially intrigued and even emotionally touched when he went through the session on freedom from strongholds. Near the end of the 10-week Rooted course, Ryan and his wife were invited to join a small group. He and his wife discuss this, and his wife says she's interested, but just too busy and overwhelmed with the children to commit, but encourages Ryan to attend. Ryan takes a few days and decides not to start a small group, but instead calls the contact person for Celebrate Recovery, as he knows there are issues in his life that were brought to his attention during Rooted. He has a sense that Celebrate Recovery will be a scary but safe place to go. Again, can you see Ryan's friend praying and Jesus smiling? After a season of Celebrate Recovery, Ryan decides to join a small group that his friend was already attending. Our time with Ryan is beginning to speed up. Ryan eventually decides to become a disciple of Jesus, and his small group celebrated with him and encouraged him to get baptized. He signs up for the baptism class and gets baptized at Forest Home during Trinity's annual fall reunion event. His testimony touches 39-year-old Joe, who was invited by another Trinity attendee. We don't know Joe's story, but we see Jesus standing next to Joe and we smile. Then see how the discipleship process continues. Ryan hears about partnership from a combination of the weekend service, baptism class, and a small group. He decides to attend the partnership class and then becomes a member. Through the partnership process and his small group, Ryan attends the Serve Design course, and he finds he loves building loft houses. As Ryan continues to grow and serve over time, his small group leader identifies him as someone who would make a good small group leader. He attends a small group leader training, and he starts leading a small group. Ryan's wife joins the group. He is grateful that his relationship with his wife has been renewed with fresh layers of reconciliation and purity. Ryan feels closer to his children and is grateful that his son is less interested in playing on an iPhone and more interested in playing with him. After some years, other pastors and leaders see Ryan continue to grow and develop further as a leader. He is invited to attend a leadership development course and attends. Ryan's transformation to being God-fathered, spirit-filled, and Christ-like continues. We see not only the progression of a new person coming to faith and growing in his followership of Jesus, but also an amazing God who is working through people and programs as we visualize a story that touches parts of our own story. Go ahead and open your eyes. 
My hope is, as you were listening, Doug Richards wrote that narrative for us with a team he was working on a few months ago. And I remember the first time I remember him reading it, just being enamored with the narrative and being enamored thinking of the people in my relational world, my Ryans, who are yet unconvinced of who Jesus is and his love for them and just imagining them going through those steps of growth and development. It makes my heart just leap. And the realization that I have is this, is that as you hear about these ideas, as you hear about a church that's wanting to be a great partner to you and the people that you're intentionally influencing, I know that that motivation, that even interest doesn't come because I keep talking about it from this stage. It doesn't come because we put great entry point events together. And by the way, I'm so grateful for Chris and Bill and the amazing Christmas Eve services they put together, all in mind thinking of the people in your world that they would come and see and hear about this Jesus, a Jesus that they could find hope in. And it's not even because of the next steps I just kind of walked through in that narrative that are going to make you go, you know what, I want to be involved in this. At least that's not how it happened for me. I've told you my story before. I've told you that I was raised in churches where evangelism was an event, where it was going door to door and knocking and feeling like you're selling Jesus to people you've never met before. And I can honestly tell you, I absolutely dreaded being involved in that. It got so much to the place as I continued to then be in vocational ministry and go to seminary. That was my understanding. The only way to do evangelism was like that. I so badly wanted nothing to do with it. I began to write a paper, a position paper that would let me off the hook and feel like I didn't have to do this. And we could just leave that up to the people who are gifted in evangelism. I've told you that story. I regrettably came to that point of such great tension in my spirit. It was only a few months later that God would move me and my family from Oregon to the high desert. And I began attending a church and I began listening to a pastor. I began being a part of a staff who really saw evangelism through a brand new lens I'd never thought of before, never even really heard of before. And it was all based through the relationships that were already in my life. I didn't have to pray, God, would you bring someone into my life that I could share you with? I just had to begin thinking of who's already in my life. And I began to see lives being transformed around me and realized, God, I want to do this too. That's what changed in me. And I've told you my story of my friend Josh. I've told you the fact that Jackson's first day in kindergarten, he started school about a month late. He walks into a kindergarten classroom and the mom who happens to be helping in that classroom today, her son Kyle and Jackson, within 10 minutes, they become the best of buddies. So for a parent, my wife was there that day as well. Her heart was so grateful that Jackson had a friend so quickly. But then she began to talk to this mom. And as we were talking, they were talking about trying to figure out where we were going to live because we hadn't even found a house yet. She starts to tell Joanna about this house that was just across the street in Caddy Corner that was for rent. And as they began to compare addresses, realized that's the house we put money down to move into that week. So now Jackson not only had a buddy, but he had a neighbor. And Joanna had a friend, and soon afterwards, I would develop a friendship with her husband, Josh. Now, Yvonne was very interested in growing in the Lord and had been kind of bouncing around churches. Her kids very new to anything about Jesus, and she ultimately landed at the church that we were serving at. 
But Josh wasn't interested. I wouldn't even say that Josh was like opposed. He just wasn't interested. That's for my wife and my kids. I just don't want a part of it. I want to watch football on Sunday. So I remember after interacting with Josh a few times, thinking about God, this is someone that you have supernaturally, strategically placed in my world. I want to engage. And so I did what I encourage you to do every week. I just started putting Josh on a list and I began to pray over him and other people, other people in my life that I did life with. And I began to pray, God, would you do a work? Because I can't change Josh. I can't make Josh want to know you and love you, get involved in church, none of that stuff. That's between you and him. But I can be a person of prayer. I can be a person of influence. And over the next few months, that's what began to happen. I've told you about the day that I was anticipating when Josh said, hey, I'd love to go do some skiing with you. And we had a day lined up and we were gonna go do night skiing in that afternoon after work. And I remember that week as I was preparing for that event in my head thinking, God, I would love to have just a very organic, just easy conversation introducing things about you to my new friend Josh where it's not wooden and I'm making stuff up and trying to sell you to someone. God, would you provide that kind of conversation? 10 minutes on the road, we're driving down the road and Josh says, so what's it like being a pastor? A few minutes later, man, is it difficult for you being a husband? What's it like being a dad for your kids? And I'm just sitting there going, he's just throwing me softballs. And we had this great conversation all the way up to Wrightwood and after we got done skiing all the way back about real things beyond sports about things that he was wondering about. It would be a few months later that Joshua put his faith in Jesus. And just this great sense of elation. When you are involved in someone's life and they put their faith in Jesus, you're the first person who recognizes it's not because of you. You are so aware of that, but you are so excited that someone you've been praying for, someone you've invested in, someone you've been influential toward comes to that place. God brings them to a place of decision and they realize I need Jesus too. One of the best days of my life. Now you might say, Todd, that's weird coming from you as a pastor. I thought that's what you did. I'll be the first to tell you I am not gifted in evangelism. And that's why I love being able to talk to you about this because many of you are not gifted that way either. And you think the same thing I used to think. That's for other people. This is what's so great about being someone who's going to be intentional in our relationships and all of us have a relational world. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. And what we're excited about at Trinity Church, as you begin to realize that, as you begin to put feet to that, as you begin to take seriously your degree of Jesus influence in your world, we want to be the very best partners that we can be when you invite your person, your Ryan, to come and see. And that's what today is about. That's what this looks like. Now, in my life, by the way, I'm not done Just because we got to see some great things in Josh's life, as God has brought us back here three and a half years ago, he's put me in proximity to a couple guys that are always on my mind, always in my prayers, and someone I'm constantly thinking about, God, how can I invite them to more things? They haven't come to that place yet where they made that decision, but that's the path that I'm on. I don't think of evangelism anymore as a sprint. I think of it as a marathon. 
And I'm just going to keep walking with them, praying with them until they see this great news. And, and I don't know if they ever will, but that's between them and God. I have a job within that, and I'm going to be excited to see as I love these guys and would love to see them make the same decision Josh made. I'm just going to keep walking with them in the way. One of the verses that really helps, I think, make sense of all this is where you opened your Bible to. It's uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. I want you to see this verse today, and it's got some really powerful things, even all the way down into the grammar of the words. I'll show you what I mean. Let's read it out loud. Read it with me. It's up on the screen or in your Bible. Let's read it together. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So listen, Paul's writing to a group of believers at a place called Colossae. And, and when he says, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, many of those people were probably led to Christ by Paul. So Paul knows of their faith. He's writing to people who are already disciples, followers of Jesus. And he says, let me take you back there. Remember when you came to a place where you realized, I need Jesus. So then just as you made that decision, so continue to live in that kind of dependence and reliance upon him. And then I want to show you four participles. Look at the next words in verse 7. Rooted. Rooted is a perfect passive participle. And I'm not a grammarian, but I know this. A perfect participle means it's a completed action. It's done. And a passive participle means it's been done to you. That's why even in our mission statement, we don't use the word rooting in Jesus because we are rooted in him. It's something he has done, placing us in his family, firmly establishing us. So a better way to read that, having been rooted, and the next phrase, and built up, built up is a present passive participle. So that means it's an ongoing action that's happening to you. Not something that you can derive out of yourself, but because of the spirit of God that lives in you, because of the word of God that you have to know and get to know who God is, because of the community of his people, you are being built up. And look at the next phrase, and strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Strengthened is that same tense, present passive participle. Ongoing action, but happening to you. But then see the last participle, overflowing with thankfulness, present active participle. As God has done a work in you and as he continues to minister to you, someone who is rooted having been rooted in Jesus, as you overflow with thankfulness in an active way, I believe that spills out into your relational world and you are a person who's reaching your world. Our mission is so locked into, so based upon this particular passage, it just screams, this is how God wants us to be. People who are firmly secure in him, but who are overflowing with thankfulness, who are a people who gush about how good God is in our lives, and we do that with the people that we do life with. A couple of summers ago, I had a conversation with one of our global workers, 
Jeremy and Sarah McMillan were here, and they uh, do great ministry in the city of Quito, Ecuador. And I remember talking to Jeremy, and I remember him saying a, just a very obvious thing. He said, we're the only English-speaking church in Quito, and therefore we're trying to just figure out out of that DNA, what should we be specifically doing? It was just a very obvious thing, and I thought, oh, and that made sense. But then I was thinking in my mind a little bit later, well, what is Trinity's DNA? What is the DNA of this church that has been on the planet now for 40 years? And, and, and one thing that does not make us unique is we're not the only English-speaking church in Redlands. So, so what is it about Trinity? And this is what's great. If you're here as a guest today, I'm just going to give you our story. I'm not going to walk through every year and every decade, but I'm going to give you the DNA of this church. And so you can kind of go, oh, okay, this is what they're about. And I hope that'll be incredibly helpful for others of us who've been here a long time. You're just going to know what you already know. First off, Trinity has a rich people resource that churches in our local area, so many of them wish they had, of people who are filled with high-capacity leaders, people who are entrepreneurial developers of ministries, volunteers who are ultra-committed to serving others. And we are so rich in that area, which I'm so grateful for. And as you heard the narrative I was reading about Ryan, thinking about those next steps that we're going to begin to give energy to, you realize we need an army of people to make that happen. We need you. Trinity has a consistent thread of being a church where small groups have been so valued, even that phrase, burden-bearing fellowships. I love that phrase. It is powerful when you think about that our home groups and other small groups are not just a place where you come to to do a Bible study. This is a group of people you walk with, you even crawl with when you're going through the valleys together. That's a powerful thing. And think about the Ryan in your life that you're going to invite into this community who needs to have a group of people, who needs to see what it looks like for Christians who genuinely care for one another, a community where the one another's are being practiced, he or she's going to need to see that. Trinity began with a strong value, a strong commitment to ministry to children that Ultimately, as their kids got older, became a great commitment to student ministries. That's a powerful thing about our story and something that we continue to want to grow and continue to bring alignment to, that we could be truly a great church, not just for grandkids, but all the way to their grandparents. Trinity's an organization that has 40 years of great ministry history here locally and around the world. One of the things that we're known for is that of discipleship, helping followers of Jesus grow in their followership and obedience to him. One of the things that I'm so excited about, you heard me mention it a couple times in that narrative, is a brand new entry point and, and um, what's the word, a, um, an overview of what discipleship is all about in the, the experience called Rooted. I couldn't be more excited about what Rooted is going to be as a dynamic, an area of really great just newness and freshness to Trinity Church. This is a, an experience we've already piloted with two separate seasons, and we begin a new season this week. But out of that, we're going to do that. We're going to make it available churchwide in late March. And I'm telling you, this is just, I've heard so many people say, man, as a new Christian, if I could have understood, if I could have heard this information, it would have been so helpful. 
That's what we are so excited to help people understand the rhythms of discipleship very early in their followership of Jesus, and we couldn't be more excited. If you're someone who's passionate for discipleship, can I encourage you, go through Rooted with us in March and then become a facilitator. Be someone who takes your passion for discipleship far beyond just yourself to other people and how you can help them be exposed to what discipleship looks like. And I I believe that one of the most exciting new roles at Trinity Church in 2020 is being a rooted facilitator. Someone who walks a group of people through this experience for 10 weeks and helps them as they move forward into a small group themselves. It's going to be so exciting. The way you get involved is go through Rooted first. And we'd love for you to do that if that's a passion for you. Trinity's demonstrated a consistent heart both for our community locally as well as for our world globally. And as we continue to be a group of people who want to keep sending people into every part of the world, we're also going to be a people committed committed to bringing good deeds, which lead to goodwill, which lead ultimately to an opportunity to share the good news with the people right here in Redlands. And we're excited for those as those begin to materialize. Trinity is a campus with buildings and a location that so many churches would covet. We're so blessed to be here in this space and at this part of town with freeway access and everything that we benefit from. Within that, One of the things that's true, our campus is over 25 years old, and though we've been doing some things out on the uh, plaza and the pavilion, which have been great, we still need a facelift. Beginning this week, we have an outside group who's going to help us develop a master plan for this campus. You'll hear more about that. We'll have that in hand in a couple months. And later on this year, our hope is that we're able to begin engaging some things that just give this campus a really a great facelift. Along with that, the reason we want to do that is we want to be a great place for you to bring your Ryan. It's not about us. It's not making ourselves more comfortable. It's how can we be a great place for them to come and see. But then I think even beyond that, I think of not only this being a place where great ministry happens, but our campus actually being a ministry, meaning where there are groups here locally that need a place to meet and they want to use a space, they can be here. They can actually be here and wonder, what is this place like on Sunday when they gather together to worship? That's the kind of campus that we want to develop. Trinity has a pastoral staff that wants to equip and prepare you to reach the people that you love and do life with. We have been a people who have done a great job of demonstrating our incredible value of the word of God by the way that we teach it from this stage and the way that we teach it one-on-one in discipleship or in small groups. But the reality is we want to continue to develop great entry point events that you can have confidence in that you can bring the person from your world to come and see. We want to continue to develop some of these next steps that we've talked about today so that you actually know how to walk with your person. I don't know if you picked that up in the narrative. Ryan's friend never had a name but Ryan's friend was everywhere that Ryan went as he took next steps to see what was going on. That can be you and me. When you hear about these DNA aspects of who we've been and then you kind of mesh that together with what I shared in that narrative of some of the ways we want to be really, I think, in a new and fresh way, a great partner to you, I think the latter illustration is the one that makes the most sense 
Some of you remember two years ago this ladder, but then I thought about it. You don't know what happened last week, so I don't know if you'd remember. But, um, but this ladder we brought out two years ago. My friend David Black gave it a good paint job and refurbished it for me. But you might remember this ladder. And what this ladder represents is where a lot of churches are in that there's a lot of energy and effort given to and a lot of, um, of really good focus on the upper rungs of the ladder. And what I wouldn't want you to hear today, I'm not in any way advocating that the things we've been doing at Trinity to help believers continue to grow and walk with the Lord is anything we plan on letting go of. Not at all. But what we need to do, because this is a really tall reach for someone who's brand new, what we need to do instead is we need to put in the bottom rungs of the ladder. And that's what this vision that you heard is all about, is giving a new kind of energy giving new resources, giving new effort to being a place where you can bring the people from your world and these rungs will be in there so when they come and begin a journey with Jesus, thank you. When they come and begin a journey with Jesus, they don't have to step up to the fourth rung, but they can begin rightfully so where you did, where I did, down here on the bottom rung. That's really, and when we do that, all we're really doing is taking to heart what the Apostle James said. In Acts chapter 15, the very first council where the church met together, really struggling with what, how to bring the gospel to people who were irreligious or people who were not Jewish. In that context, look it up on the screen. This is what he came to this conclusion after hearing all this conversation. This is what he said from Acts 15, verse 19. It's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. That's really all that this is of putting in the lower rungs of the ladder. We don't want to make it difficult for the people in your relational world who are interested, who are growing in a desire to want to know who this Jesus is, We want to make it accessible. That's what it all boils down to. So I want to finish today by sharing with you what, for myself, for our directional team, for our elder board, for our pastoral staff and our directors, what we can see just beyond the horizon. Just beyond the horizon, I can see rooted followers of Jesus obviously demonstrating his presence, his love, and his goodness both here when we gather together as well as throughout the week when we scatter into our jobs, into our schools, into our relational worlds. Just beyond the horizon, I can see a people who were, are like now how I was, absolutely uninterested in sharing their faith. I can see the heartbeat beginning to change of a true and genuine love for the people in their world. A love that will result in someone overflowing, gushing, as we saw from Colossians 6, 7, 2, 7, I'm sorry, gushing about how great God is to the people in their relational worlds, the people who are currently on a collision course for an eternity apart from God. Just beyond the horizon, I can see seasoned Jesus followers being put in proximity to new Jesus followers as they're introduced to the rhythms of discipleship. Just beyond the horizon, I can see everyone who calls Trinity Church home actively engaging as intentional influencers with the Ryans and their relational worlds. It begins with what our family ministries shared with you last week, and that is simply getting out that list, 
getting out a list, identifying the people in your world, putting your Ryan on your list and being reminded, God, this is someone that you have supernaturally, strategically placed me among. You have me on mission in their life. I'm going to begin doing the second thing. I'm going to start praying for them. I might not interact with them daily, but I am praying that you are doing a work, stirring them, waking the dead. It's being a person who's going to be that of influence. I want to continue to come alongside of them relationally. It's going to be a person who invites them to entry point opportunities and a person who ultimately has the joy of introducing them to this great God that you love through organic conversations that you have. That's the vision that we can see. Just beyond the horizon, I can see a people who were once scared to talk to their friends about Jesus, now shedding tears of joy when their Ryan is up on this stage getting baptized. Being people who would sign up to go to a Discover Trinity presentation, who've been at Trinity for 15 years, they don't need it, but their Ryan does, and they're going to go with them. To being someone who would step out of their home group for 10 weeks to go through Rooted with their Ryan. Just beyond the horizon, I can see a corporate church family who doesn't leave the sharing of the gospel just up to people who are gifted in evangelism, but instead that we become a people who are reaching with Jesus' influence. The thing I love about this approach to not just our lives personally, but corporately, it unleashes us to be a church community who are on point, on mission, and excited about the way that God can use you because I'm absolutely convinced he wants to. So if you're on board with this vision for engaging what we believe Jesus envisions for Trinity's future, there's a few ways you can express that today. First off, at the end of this service, if you're someone like Hilke mentioned earlier who's new to Trinity and you're hearing this today and saying, I want to know more, fill out that new card. Take it out to the Start Here booth. Have coffee on us today. And let's begin a relationship together. Maybe you've already made that step and you've heard me talk about this thing called Discover Trinity. We begin two weeks from today on the 19th at this very service at 1045, doing our Discovery presentation, Discover Trinity presentation around our campus. We'll share more of that the next couple of weeks, but it's a great way to find out who we are through our core values. That begins two weeks from today. Or maybe you're someone who is after you even do that, you would say, hey, I heard about this rooted thing. We're going to make that available church-wide the end of March. Be listening for that opportunity and join us and go through rooted with us. If you're here as someone who's not new to Trinity, you've been here for a long time, there are some needed ministry serving opportunities right out those doors. Right out on the plaza today, whether it be working with the productions team, helping with our kids' ministries, working with our hospitality teams, all of those need people immediately. This is a way to say, I want to be a part of this vision. I want to see what God wants to do at Trinity. Next week, we'll, beginning, uh, we'll be beginning a six-week series preaching through our core values. It's something that our staff team worked really hard last spring developing. I will tell you, it is really hard to get 12 people to agree to anything. So I'm going to bring those with a lot of great blood, sweat, and tears. But I'm so excited to begin to share those with you one at a time. You'll note the name of the series is called Who We Are. Each of those icons represents one of the six things we'll be walking through. And I just want to ask you to do this, whether you've been at Trinity a long time or you're even just brand new, commit to being with us these first two months. 
Be with us in January and February consistently and hear about this idea of who we are, where this vision is leading, and what our core values are all about. We'd love for you to come and see. I'm going to ask today for the team who helped develop this vision to come out on stage. And I want you to see them for a couple of reasons today. I want you to know, like I said earlier, how collaborative this uh, vision really is. It really was not just me in my office dreaming up stuff, but this group has been so influential in helping shape it, helping form it, and bringing it to you today. And like I said, they have all individually said, Todd, I stack my hands. I want to be a part of this. So any questions that you have about today's presentation, anyone up on this stage, you're welcome to talk to them and say, hey, how does this work? Or what is that going to be like? Talk to them because they own it to the same degree I do. But the other reason I wanted them to come onto stage is I wanted you to be able to do this. As we close our service today, I want to pray for us, the people of Trinity Church. But I want you to identify one person on this stage that you know. Maybe you're brand new and it's like, there's a guy in a red shirt. I'll pray for Dan. It doesn't matter. Identify someone because for every one of these people, they're going to need prayer. We're all going to need prayer to see what this vision means now, next steps moving forward. So pray for the way that God would strengthen them to lead the way he's called them to lead. Let me pray. Father God, we come before you today as a corporate body, uh, the church that has this name, Trinity Church in Redlands. We're merely an extension of your body, your greater, grander picture. But this local expression, God, of your body, we want to be a people who engage your vision for your church. And I want to thank you for the hours, literally, that have gone into this ability to present this today. I want to thank you for the staff and elders here on this stage with me that have really taken this to heart and really given it a lot of shape. But God, I really want to pray for this group too, the people of Trinity, who for some are hearing this for the very first time. And I pray, God, over the next few days where there is a sense of fear, would you bring courage? God, where there is a sense of confusion, would you bring clarity? Where there is a place of apathy, would you bring energy? Would you unleash us as a church to fulfill your commission, your directive, God? And would we do that through the lens primarily of these incredible relationships that you've given us, that you've supernaturally, strategically placed us among? So God, we look forward to what you have for us in this truly a powerful year, an anniversary year for us. Thank you for the last 40 years that have been shaping and preparing who we are going to continue to become. And I pray today as we move forward, would we move into, would we pursue your vision for your church? We love you and we pray in Jesus' awesome name. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer today, we have a prayer team that's going to be up here otherwise. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.